The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Tommy Grimes. According to the Psalms, the days of our years number three score and ten. Well, not always, and not for everyone. Life is filled with surprises, and the greatest of these is death. It is possible to predict the day of our arrival, but in the ordinary way, who can foretell the day of our departure? Let us assume that someone could. I won't let you go, Albie. The streets are too dangerous late at night. I can take care of myself. I've got a gun. See? Oh, Albie, that's the toy pistol Papa bought for your birthday years ago. It's the real thing. No, Albie, dear, it's just a toy. That's your opinion, Mother. Now, Albie... Watch this. I forbid you to leave the house. Albie! Our mystery drama, Tony's Market, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Earl Hammond and Bob Caliban. I'll be back shortly with Act One. It is 11 o'clock on the night of July the 2nd. Three people are in Tony's Market, one of those little superettes or convenience stores that stays open till all hours. There's Tony himself, middle-aged, balding, good-natured. Mrs. Cordelia Tanner, a rather plump lady of nearly 40. And Mr. Joseph Dacey, an elderly but extremely dignified-looking gentleman. Tony grins at his two customers. Yeah, yeah, I guess the two of you are the last of the Mohicans for the night. But Tony is wrong. Here comes another customer. A young and intense-looking fellow named Albie Darrow. I want a quart of strawberry ice cream. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, yeah, I heard you, but you you have to wait your turn. I'm sorry. What do you mean, you're sorry? Look, pal, I'm sorry for you. Why are you sorry for me? Because you ain't got no manners. All the rest of you, you sorry for me, too? You only think you're sorry. I'll give you something to really be sorry about. He's gonna go! Please do! The gun is one of those 9mm automatics so popular today with assassins. It fires 14 shots so rapidly you can scarcely count them. In less time than it takes to tell, the Holocaust is complete. Tony DeMeo, Cordelia Tanner, and Joseph Dacey lie dead. Albedaro reaches into the freezer chest, finds a carton of strawberry ice cream and calmly walks out of the store. But a police cruiser, a 
attracted by the noise, pulls up. Albedaro inserts a new clip and opens fire. The police are prepared for him. They can and do shoot back. Now, Albedaro lies dead in the sidewalk. His blood forms a darkened pool on the pavement. Crushed beneath his body, the ice cream beginning to melt oozes slowly from the crushed carton. And even the police officers, accustomed as they are to scenes of carnage, are visibly shaken. The three of them in the store, and him on the street. How did it happen? What made each of them come to this place at this time so that all of them would have to die here together? What do you think, Harry? What's there to think about, Jack? Write it up. It's all over. Yes, it's all over. It is now just another chapter in the book of violence that is rapidly becoming a bestseller all over the world. But why was this one written? What brought each of them to this place at this time? To die here tonight? What if we were to begin our story at 10 p.m. instead of 11 on the night of July the 2nd? Have no fear, Tony's here. Good, now we can close the store. Uh, it's only 10 o'clock, Amelia. Oh, you promised we were going to start closing early. We will, we will. Now, you run home and you light up the stove, huh? Tony! It's Thursday night, right? I don't care. But the bingo game's gonna break up in five minutes. So what? Well, we get a nice crowd in here till about half past. If I know you, Tony, you'll stay open till midnight. No, 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 I promise. You always promise. This time, I'm putting my foot down. Sell the place. <laughs> and then? Travel. Where? All over the world. Why? See the people. You want to see people? Look out the window. Oh, these are different kinds of people. Hey, people are alike no matter where you go. That isn't true. Tell me. Hmm? Let's go to Italy. Uh, Italy. Your old man and my old man, they should rest in peace. They couldn't wait to get out of Italy. Well, that's because they were poor and starving. But we're rich. What do you mean, rich? We got a couple of bucks, that's all. We got more than enough, Tony. You've worked hard. <laughs> you call this hard work? Your old man broke his back in a steel mill. My old man had to breed black dust in a coal mine. Now, that's work. Me? What do I do? None. That isn't true, Tony. Yeah, the dairy guy comes in, he packs the refrigerator, and so do the meat guys, and the bread guys, and the canned goods guys, all the rest of them. They're in here every single day, keeping the shelves full up. And then the customers do the rest. They pick off what they want, they bring it up to the register, I put it in a bag, I take their money, and I say, goodbye now, this is work. Tony... We never went anywhere. We never did anything. We've never spent a nickel on ourselves. I, I, I want to start living right now before it's too late. I mean it. Eh, okay, okay. Right now. Go home. 
put up some lasagna. Tony, you weren't paying attention oh, to I, me. I was, Amelia, I was. But it's it's like these athletes, you know. If they stop the grind, all of a sudden they get heart attacks. They die. They got to taper off. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right, Amelia, you're right. But I, I just can't quit cold. You know? We'll break away, but kind of gradual. Okay, okay. But gradual has got to start right now. And so this is the last night you stay open late, huh? Understand? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is my last night. Well, sir, please turn that off. Huh? I said turn it off. Uh, But you asked me to turn it on. I changed my mind. Well, I believe that's a woman's privilege. A woman has no privileges. Oh, now, Cordelia. A woman has only illusions. Well, perhaps that's what all of us have, the illusion of privilege. Uh, That could be a fascinating philosophical concept. Are we going to discuss it? No, 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 no. Not if you don't care to. I would rather we chose a more vital, a more personal topic. We have been here exactly one hour and 40 minutes. You haven't broached it. What am I to infer, Walter? Oh, listen, Cordelia. To what? Another long and tortuous justification? No, no, no. Did you or did you not speak with her? Well, of course. I speak with her every day. Did you or did you not ask her for a divorce? Uh, blatantly? I'm afraid that's the only way it can be done. Well, Cordelia... She isn't well. Well, do we have to wait for her to get better? Uh, now, now, my dear, you... Till now, we have had to wait for A, John's graduation, B, Jill's engagement party. How long does Martha plan to be ill? I am only trying to hurt her as little as possible. Well, it can't be done. You'll have to hurt her a great deal, or you'll have to hurt me a great deal. Uh, Why don't we have some champagne? Because there isn't any. There's almost half a bottle. It's become flat. See? Just like us. The fizz is gone. Don't say that. Uh, I'll ring up room service. No! Don't you dare! (laughs) Cordelia, why I will not have some smirking waiter slink in here with that knowing leer on his face. Well, why shouldn't he believe that we're married? Because it's obvious that we aren't. Obvious to whom? To everybody. But we appear to be any settled married couple. Look at us in the mirror, huh? Well? Yes, I suppose we do. Here I am, fat middle-aged woman. Oh, no, no, no. You're not fat. You're pleasingly plump. (laughs) Plump, certainly, but pleasing. To whom? To me. And who are you? Look at yourself. You have bulge. You've got a a pot belly. Darling, darling, we all grow older. In body, perhaps, but not in spirit. No. You're an old man, Walter. You're an old man at 50. And you putter about with old things. The whole world is the classics, the ancient Greek and Latin classics. My, my dear Cordelia, what is the problem? The problem? The problem? I, I don't know what the problem is. Oh, no, 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 no. You mustn't weep, no. You, you're never going to divorce. Are you? Are you? Darling, does it matter? I mean, really, matter. you and I are truly one. We... We're mated. 
We are husband and wife and everything but name. Well, I want the name, too. Oh, my darling Cordelia, as George Bernard Shaw would say, that is middle-class morality. But what is wrong with middle-class morality? You intend to have your share of it? Didn't you scrimp and save and, and, and send your son to one of those prestigious universities? Didn't you plot and scheme to marry your daughter into a wealthy, socially prominent family? Well, why can't I enjoy some nice, comfortable, middle-class morality, too? Oh, you know, darling, there's the most hilarious comedy on television oh. tonight. No, it will make you feel so much better, really. I don't have to turn on the TV to see a comedy. I only have to look at you and me. Well, Walter, the joke is over. The joke? Yes, the joke we've been playing on ourselves. You know, I actually thought you would leave her for me. But why should you? Martha and I, <laughs> we're so much alike. She's fat and 40, and so am I. What did you see in me anyhow, Walter? <laughs> Darling, what is wrong with you this evening? Nothing, nothing. For the first time in years, Walter, something is right with me... I'm starting to think of myself, and that makes you uncomfortable. No, no, no. I don't like to see you distressed. Oh, unless it concerns you. I'm only supposed to suffer over your agonies. Will you or won't you be named department head? Will Martha ever understand there's a limit to how much money you can make? But tonight, we have been talking about me, about what troubles me, about what I need, and you simply... Do not know how to handle it. What are you doing? You're getting dressed. Yes, correct. But why? Because I'm leaving. But, but, but I've engaged the room for the entire night. Well, perhaps you can get a refund. Do you suppose they would do that? Well, why don't you ask? Cordelia, what are we talking about? It turns out that we are talking about what we've always talked about. Nothing. Uh, all right. Oh, all right, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. I will ask her. I'll pick up the phone... Right now. That's an idea. Maybe she'll come over and spend the night, and then the money won't be wasted. I shall ask her for a divorce. No. No? Don't bother. Forget it. Well, what? What is the matter now? You, you wanted me to ask her for the divorce. You made this burning issue over it, and now that I'm willing to do it... Yes. You... Now that you're willing to do it, I no longer want it. Oh, I... I, I don't understand you. I no longer want you. But only yesterday you, you said you wanted me. Well, today, I want someone else. Who is he? I don't know yet, but I'll find him. Or he'll find me. Why not? Fred left me more money than I can ever spend. And now that I don't feel guilty, I don't have to hide behind this... This fortress of flesh anymore. I'll die it. That's what I'll do. I'll lose 20, 30 pounds. It'll begin to make a difference. But why, Cordelia? Why? Why? Because I want a man who will bring out the best in me, Walter, and you don't do that. Cordelia, don't go. Not now. You, you, you have a two-hour drive. Good night, Walter. But it, it's so late. Yes, it is late. I only hope it's not too late. But we already know the answer to that. It is now a quarter after ten on the night of July the 2nd. Cordelia Tanner is, as they say, 
blissfully unaware that she has exactly 45 minutes to live. Cordelia Tanner, Antonio DeMeo, Joseph Dacey, and Albie Darrow. The second act, the next to the last chapter in their lives, approaches. Because I could not stop for death, he kindly stopped for me. The carriage held but just ourselves and immortality. The words about Miss Emily Dickinson, they describe so many of us who go about our all-consuming mortal affairs. And, in particular, the four main characters in our story. The carriage will stop for each of them within the hour. Hey, 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 hold it, Harry. Hey, that car parked at the curb back there. It's got a dame sitting in it. Uh, let's check it out, huh? Thank you. Uh, good evening, ma'am. Lady? Hmm? Oh, oh, good evening, officers. Everything all right? Oh, yes, yes, everything's fine. It's uh, just we noticed you all alone in a parked car on a deserted street. Oh, would you like to see my license and my registration? No, 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 no. You, you look okay. Shall I tell you why I parked here? You don't have to. It's a free country. I was obeying the law. The law? Well, it isn't exactly legal law. It's more or less a, a, a law of common sense. And it says you should never drive while you're drunk or nervous or excited, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, I wasn't drunk or nervous, but I, uh, I was excited. And do you know why? No, no, ask me why. Okay, why? Did you ever hear of the Declaration of Independence? Uh, hey, Harry, we're in this deep. Yeah, sure, no, sure. Uh, how, how they all signed it, all those great men, John Hancock and Thomas Jefferson, uh, B Button Gwinnett. <laughs> Who was Button Gwinnett? Oh, his was the smallest signature of all, you know, that little, little, tiny, cramped, wavery one. Yeah, sure, sure. But all of them, can you imagine how excited they must have been? Do you think that they could have just calmly gone back to the, the everyday routine of their lives as if nothing had happened? No. For a little while, at least, there must have been some interlude of, of exaltation. <laughs> but does this make any sense to you, officers? Ah, uh, sure. Why not, huh, Harry? see, just a little while ago, I also signed a sort of... Declaration of Independence. Oh, good for you. Well, I'm feeling better now. I, I, I wonder if one of you could spare a cigarette. Huh? I, I seem to have run out. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't smoke. Oh. Me and my partner Harry here, uh, well, we both kicked a habit. Oh. Well, look, uh, is there any place around here where I could maybe, uh, you know... Well, what would be open this hour, Harry? Well, maybe Tony's Market. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Tony's, uh... All right, you want to turn right at the corner, go one block at Taft Street, turn left. The first light is Roosevelt, and it's uh, just past the corner. Oh, thank you, officer. Hey, uh, those streets are named after William Howard Taft and Theodore Roosevelt, in case anybody should ask Oh, well, that's good to know. Tony's Market. Uh, I'll find it. Will Mr. and Mrs. Wilson report to information desk... 
Hello, Russ, darling. I'm at the airport. Yeah, I've just landed. Uh, no, no, dear. I, I haven't cast the part yet. But maybe I can find a stage after Russ. Do you have any ideas? Transnational flight six to Fort Lauderdale in Miami. Is no, 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 no. None of those names appeal to me. I, I want someone with great presence and, uh, and a voice. Someone who can put fire and style into the part. And I intend to hold out till I find him. Will this Leona Cromwell please report to the information oh, wait center? Oh, wait Wait. Russ, darling, I, I want to listen to something. Now, just hold the phone, Mr. Russ. Mr. George Hendricks, please report to the operations office. Russ, I may have found him. I'll call you later. Are you Mr. Joseph Basie? I often wonder. Of course you are. I've seen you on the stage. A long time ago. They said... You'd be here on your break. You're looking for me? Yes. And now that you found me... My name is Taya Louise Miller. Yes, I know. You do? Who wouldn't recognize the celebrated Taya Louise Miller? Oh. <laughs> the hottest young filmmaker in Hollywood? <laughs> that word hottest, of course, is not mine. Well, I'm not really young anymore, either. You, um... You have retired from the theater... We're surrounded by quite a bit of theater here, Miss Miller. And I'm constantly reading lines. Many of them are charged with more real drama than... than anything that's spoken from the stage these days. Would you consider coming back? Would I consider coming back to do a play? A motion picture. Well, I would have to read the script, of course. Of course, of course. Now, what am I saying? Are you... You're actually offering me a part? Yes, in my new film. But this isn't a joke, no, is it? it's a very strong character. Well, I... Well, listen, I, I, I don't mind auditioning. No, you don't have to. You already have the part. I... I've got the part? Mm-hmm. Well, I can't believe it, did I? <sighs> Mr. Dacey, what happened? What happened? To you... Twenty years ago, you were considered one of the finest actors. The crowd. A fickle crowd. It elevates us to the skies for reasons we can never fully understand. And then it consigns us to the depths. Also for reasons that are beyond comprehension. But you were so well known. So, so great. Well, we grow older. The world changes. There are new names, new faces. I want you. For my picture. You can have me, my dear <laughs> Miss Miller. Uh, but may I ask why? I shouldn't say this. But the fact is, I owe everything to you. To me? Yes. If it weren't for you, I might still be working on a farm in upstate New York. You took me away from there. I did? Mm -hmm. I can't remember. And I can't forget. I lived with my father. My mother was dead. <laughs> On a potato farm. It was hard work. I went to a regional high school. I hated it. Why? I don't know. I didn't feel I was learning anything useful. Literature especially seemed such a waste of time. And then they took the class to Rochester. <laughs> to see a play. Shakespeare. You were Macbeth. Macbeth. Mm -hmm. 
I'd toured Macbeth 20 years ago. You were Macbeth. Suddenly, it was no longer just windy, high-flown words. You were a human being up there on that stage. I believed you. And when you said, wake, Duncan, with thy knocking, wouldst thou couldst, I gasped. I started to cry. I could, I could feel your agony. Could you? Yes. You couldn't awaken Duncan. But you awakened me. And I said to myself, this is theater. And this is where I want to be. Let me live here and I'll never want anything else in the world. I'll never be cold or hungry. Do you understand what I'm saying, Mr. Daisy? Yes, I do. Of course you do. I've traveled a long way. But without you, <laughs> I never would have taken that first. You are actually offering me a job. I thought that was understood. And it isn't out of a sense of gratitude. I simply could not get anyone better, or even as good. I haven't been on a stage or in front of a camera in over 15 years. But I'm ready. I'm always ready. I know. Are you free to meet me tomorrow morning at the Hotel Royale for breakfast? I believe so. The lawyer will join us later to work out the contract. And I want us to spend our time talking about the script. Very good. Well, till tomorrow. Till tomorrow. Good night, Mr. Basie. Good night, Miss Miller. Hello. Hello, Ella. No, 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 no. Everything is just fine. Couldn't be better. And I'll be home at the usual time a little after 11. Did you prepare anything to eat? Good. No, no, no. Don't, don't. Now, as a matter of fact, I'm starved. I thought I'd bring home some supper, caviar, some pate, smoked salmon. Darling, I know how much these things cost. But tonight we've, we've got to celebrate. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you when I get home, and not one moment before. Meanwhile, you light the candles, set out the crystal and silver. Tonight we cry out for madder music and stronger wine. I'll see you soon, darling. Wake, Duncan, with thy knocking. Wouldst thou couldst. <laughs> And he's open. Oh, but luck. Upon such sacrifices, my dear Cordelia, the gods themselves throw incense. Uh, uh, are you talking to me? Um, no, madam. I, I was speaking to Cordelia. Oh, well, my name is Cordelia. Is it really? Mm. Well, actually, I was King Lear speaking to his Cordelia. To, um, <laughs> do you often do this sort of thing? As often as I can persuade a theatrical manager to employ me. Oh, oh, you're an actor. Yes, yes, oh. madam. And a hungry actor. Therefore, if Tony's is also your destination, and it appears to be open, after you. Oh, thank you. Good evening, sir. 
Do I have time to browse a bit, or are you in a hurry to close? Well, as long as I got a customer in the store, I'm open. <laughs> uh, what can I do for you, lady? Oh, I-, I would like some cigarettes. Uh, what kind? Oh, whatever's closest at hand. But you got to like one brand better. Well, since you don't have the one I prefer, it really doesn't matter what you sell me. And uh, why do you think I don't have the one you prefer? Well, because I don't see it on the rack. Well, if you don't see what you want, just ask for it. Well, in the first place... These are very esoteric cigarettes. I order them from an export-import firm downtown. Well, go ahead. Tell me more. I'll take anything. But why don't you just give me... I want to give you what you want. Now, go ahead. Let me hear. Well, they're made with an odd but pleasant flavor. They're a bit smaller than average, and they come from Spain. Mm -hmm. But you see, they aren't too well known. Yeah, yeah. You mean pequeños, huh? Oh, how did you know? Well, that's a long story. Uh, you'll find them on the bottom. Oh, well, I, I don't think I see... Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, They're all gone from there. Uh, look, I got a couple of cartons in a storeroom. You got a minute? Oh, certainly. All right, I'll be right back. I have plenty of time. No, Cordelia, you don't. And neither does Mr. Joseph Dacey and the proprietor, Tony. The three of you... You have so little time left. If only you would stop smoking, Cordelia. If only you would not have had something to celebrate, Mr. Daisy. Neither of you would have been here. And Tony would have closed his door and gone home. But in that case, we should not have had a third act. Or even a first or a second. I shall return with the conclusion of our story shortly. concerned here with four people. They are all strangers to each other, and yet they will all share what is, perhaps, the second most important moment in life, the final one. That moment is scheduled to occur at 11 p.m. on the night of July the 2nd in Tony's Market, and these four, who have no connection in life, will be eternally bound in death. Tony DeMeo, Cordelia Tanner and Joseph Dacey are already there waiting. Now, we need Albie Darrow. Albie? Yes, Mother? I thought I heard someone in the kitchen. It's only me. Well, what are you doing? Making a sandwich. Oh, I see you're using mustard. You can't have a sandwich without mustard. Oh, there's a great deal of salt in mustard. I was listening to a nutritionist on the radio. All right, Mother, I won't have any. She said there was this danger of a chemical imbalance. I won't eat anything at all. Oh, that's silly. Why? Because I said it? Well, you just have to be careful. I'm careful. You're home late. Again. I know, Mother. I had to eat dinner alone. I'm I'm sorry. That sort of thing does not appeal to me. I said I was sorry. I was almost too upset to take mine up. Yes, Mother. What time did you get in? A little while ago. You mean you worked till after nine? Something like that. Will they pay you overtime? I I don't know. Well, that means they won't. I guess not. I wish you would stand up for your rights. Mother... I'm lucky to have a job. Oh, is that how you feel about it? Well? 
Yes, I guess that's how I feel about it. I didn't think I raised my son to be a doormat. You don't think so? Certainly not. Well? Well, what? Well, I think so. What are you saying? Nothing. One moment, young man. You just made an accusation. Please, for- forget it. Do you have a complaint? Put up or shut up. All right. I'll shut up. But I won't. Now go ahead. Speak. Uh, I'm a doormat. Why? Oh, what's a doormat? Isn't it something everybody steps on? Didn't everybody around here always step on me? Now, that's a contemptible lie, Albie. Why didn't you send me to college? You know perfectly well why. Papa died. He left enough. There was money for Margie's husband to go into business. There was money to send Tom to medical school. There was money for you to take a trip around the world, but there was never any money for me. The fact is, Albie, you were not college material. You're forgetting you flunked out. That was because you expected me to. You don't know what you're saying. Tom got music lessons. Margie got dancing lessons. I got nothing. Albie, the truth is you didn't have any talent. Did Tom? Did Margie? I heard Tom's violin teacher say he was practically tone deaf. And Margie? A a ballerina? I heard Papa talk about it all the time. He said... Tom had a tin ear, and Margie walks like an elephant. And you you said lessons are meant to enhance, to widen. Well, why couldn't I be enhanced, widened? Albie, you weren't interested. Was Tom? Was Margie? You you don't remember the scenes we used to have in this house, huh? But but you stayed on top of them. You made them each become somebody. You, You didn't do it for me. What happened? When I came along, were you too tired? Bored with raising kids, maybe? I'm very sorry you feel that way, Albie. I'm sorry, too, because the bottom line is... All I can get is this miserable job where my boss is a cross between... Pontius Pilate and Simon Legree. And I get conned into working overtime for nothing. I know what's really bothering you, Albie. Oh, you... You think so? Eleanor. Eleanor, huh? Mm-hmm. She's been rather distant towards you lately. So? I expressed my opinion of Eleanor quite early, didn't I? Yes. Yes, you, you did. You have to admit Eleanor is cheap and common. Sure. I, I admit it. Then why did you ever go out with that kind in the first place? What other kind can I get? If a girl really has something on the ball, well, what does she want with a l- loser like me? Oh, don't talk that way. It's true. You know what you need, dear. A good night's sleep. I haven't had a good night's sleep in ten years. Now, surely that is an exaggeration. Okay, okay. Let, let, let's drop the whole business. Gladly. And, and I'm going to eat some uh, ice cream. At this hour? Why? Is it illegal? Where'd you put it? The strawberry ice cream. On the top shelf near the ice cubes. Uh, I don't see it. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I I did mean to buy some, and I forgot. You forgot? Oh, I'm sorry, Albie. It just 
slipped my mind. How does it happen nothing ever slips your mind when it comes to Tom and Margie? Oh, no. What are you talking about? Each of them does you a favor and comes to visit maybe two or three times a year. I notice there's always a, a batch of those cookies frozen away that Tom likes. Please close the freezer door before everything spoils. You don't have to break it, Albie. And I'll bet you've got at least a half a dozen bottles of that white wine that Margie likes. I'm just not important enough for you to think about, huh? To remember, make plans for, and I never was. You're blowing this thing up out of all proportion. I want some strawberry ice cream. We don't have any. But I am going to have some. Be reasonable. Be reasonable. If I had a nickel for every time you were... Papa ever said that to me, I, I'd be a millionaire. All right, I'm being reasonable. What am I asking for, huh? Strawberry ice cream. I break my back at a m- miserable job all day, and I never have a dollar I can call my own. You simply do not know how to handle money. I'm never going to do anything, g- go anywhere, be anybody. Buddy, okay, I, I accept it. Do, do you understand? I accept it. All, all I ask is, all I have the nerve to bother you about is some s- strawberry ice cream. You mean that's not being reasonable? I'm sorry, Abby. Don't say I'm sorry. That's what I always got from everybody in this house. That's what I get from everybody everywhere. I'm sorry, says my boss. But you have to work overtime. I'm sorry, says Eleanor, but I'm busy tonight. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't want to hear that again. Understand? All right, Abby. All right. I'm going out to get some strawberry ice cream. At this hour? It's almost 11. I'm a big boy now, my mother. Well, the fact is, the way things are these days, the streets are no longer safe. Don't worry about it. I can take care of myself. Abby, these people have guns. So have I. Oh, you're joking. Am I? What do you call this? Huh? Oh, poor Abby. Huh? Well, I mean it. It it looks real. But it's only a toy. Is, Is that what you think? It's what I know. I remember Papa bought it for you for your birthday. Oh, how many years ago that was. And you still have it. No, not not this one. I just went out and bought it. Oh, you're fantasizing again, Albie. Okay. Oh, I can't let this go. Now, where could you buy an actual real pistol? You'd be surprised. Ah, uh, I'll be, I'll be back. I'll be, it's foolish. Who do you think you can scare with that toy pistol? You think it's a, a, a toy? Go go into my room. Look in that big box where we kids used to keep our toys. And you know what you'll see? Huh? You, you'll see the toy pistol that you think is, is this one. Oh, Albie, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't say that. I'll kill the next person who says I'm sorry. Albie, Albie. It just has to be. And he took it from the box of toys. He believes. Oh, it's here. It's still in here. Oh, no. No. I have to stop him. How can I stop him? There's only one thing to do. Police emergency. Listen, 
Marshawn Albedero just left the house at 19 South Garfield. He's 26. He looks younger. Tall, about six feet. Thin, weighs about 150. He's wearing a, 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 a brown slacks and yellow shirt. And he's got a gun. Yes, a gun. And he's very angry, nervous, upset. He would have to be in the neighborhood somewhere. You see, he'd be looking for a place to buy some ice cream. Strawberry ice cream. Well, here you are, ma'am. Your package of pequeños. Well, well how, how do you happen to carry them? <laughs> you really want to know. I'm huh? fascinated. Well, uh, how are you doing there, sir? You uh, ready to get checked out? Yes, but I uh, overheard your conversation. I'd like to hear the story, too. Oh, well, uh, you know I once went bankrupt. Really? Well, this seems to be such a well-run place. Well, I had to learn, you know, the hard way. <laughs> As they say, it's the only way that sticks to the rib. Uh, you better believe it. So a guy would come in and ask for this. And, well, I wouldn't have it. I'd say try the place up the street. And a lady would come in and ask for that. I wouldn't carry it. I'd say try somewhere else. And, you know, one day I figured it out. I realized why I was going broke. I was sending people out of the store. You get my meaning? Oh, yes. Well, six, eight weeks ago, a guy comes in and asks for pequeños. Well, I'd never heard of him. But I didn't send him across the street. I said to him, I'll talk to my tobacco guy and they'll be here tomorrow morning. And business is thriving. <laughs> I'll never send anybody out empty-handed twice. Well, I guess you folks are the last of the Mohicans for the night. <laughs> I want a quart of strawberry ice cream. Did, did, did you hear what I said? Well, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you have to wait your turn. Well, what do you mean, you're sorry? Uh, look, pal, uh, I'm sorry for you. Why you... are you sorry for me? Because you got no manners. Oh, all the rest of you. You sorry for me, too? You only think you're sorry. I'll give you something to really be sorry about. He's got to go! No! No! Street. How did it happen, Harry? What made each of them come to this place at this time so that all of them would have to die here together? What do you think, Harry? Well, what's that to think about, Jack? Just write it up. Well, write it up. It's all over. Yes, it's all over. Our story is called Tony's Market. But we could just as easily have titled it Strawberry Ice Cream or My Mother Never Loved Me or The Spanish Cigarettes or Macbeth. The possibilities are limitless because the causative factors, as the psychologists like to say, are endless. Little things. Little events. Ancient grievances and grudges, or even gratitudes. Suddenly they surface, and we live, or we die. I shall return shortly. 
novel called The Execution of Waits. I don't remember the story, but I will never forget the title. Because today an executioner may be waiting for each of us. We may be innocent of all crime, but we are guilty of the worst of all mistakes. Bad timing. We happen to be there, wherever there is, just at the moment that he happens to be there. We come together for the first and the last time. The plane crashes, the bridge collapses, and all those people who fall with it. Why? Why did they have to be there just at that moment? Our cast included Earl Hammond, Bob Caliban, Joan Shea, Carol Titel, and Arnold Moss. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. Chin up, Miss Oates. Sorry if I'm late, Mary. I just got here. What difference would it make anyway, Bert? It's our goodbye. Final meeting, fade out, etc. I'm sorry, Mary. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. It's just a word, Bert. You're tickled pink. I don't see any point to this, Mary. Oh, but I do. You're going off to someone else. Look, I, I know you're hurt. You don't know the half of it. But what can I do or say? I don't have any control over you. You're wonderful to, to understand this. I'm in love with Gail. Thanks for not making it too difficult. You don't understand what I mean. When I say I'm sorry, it has to end this way. Well, well, what do you mean? This. <gasps> what the hell? Put that gun away, Connor. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by White Westinghouse Appliance Company. This is Tammy Grimes, inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.